Congressional Western Caucus podcast, a voice for rural America. I'm Chairman Dan Newhouse. It's great to have you with us. Today we are joined by three very special guests. First, my friend and colleague from the great state of Washington, as well as my fellow Western Caucus member, Congresswoman Kathy Morris Rogers. Kathy, welcome. Thank you, Dan. It's great to be with you. Appreciate your leadership as chair of the Western Caucus. And we're also joined by two energy experts from the great state of Washington, Dr. Ed Schweitzer, the the founder and president of Schweitzer Engineering Labs. You might mention he's uh, inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame back in 2019. And Bob Schutz, who is the CEO of Energy Northwest both on the cutting edge of energy issues in the in our region. Appreciate you join up, joining us. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Dan. Well, thank you, guys. Yes, great to have you all with us. I'm looking forward to a great conversation uh, talking about some very important issues. Uh, literally, um, these are issues that are close to home for all of us, and that is the ener- energy grid of the Pacific Northwest. You know, with with high gas prices and surging electricity costs throughout the country, the state of our nation's energy security really is something that every single one of us are are thinking about almost every single day. This last June, I was proud to host a Western Caucus Energy Field Tour in my district in central Washington, where members of Congress saw firsthand how our region embraces an all of the above energy strategy. And this was really interesting, how local scientists and engineers are leading the world in energy storage and in grid resilience research. You know, we we toured the Ice Harbor Dam and we heard from local experts about the critical role that the dams along the Snake and the Columbia Rivers play in our energy portfolio. We visited the Pacific Northwest National Laboratory to learn about the the work they are doing to improve energy storage capacity and strengthen not only the region's grid, but the entire nation's. And we learned about existing and emerging nuclear energy technologies, which I know everyone in this discussion recognizes are key to our clean energy future. You know, we've worked hard in the Pacific Northwest to to diversify our energy resources, which has resulted in reliable, carbon-free power that benefits families, local economies, and and the environment. And I could go on and on about Mm -hmm. Central and Eastern Washington's energy innovation and our leadership, but I'm gonna let you hear it directly from our guests today, who are the, the real experts in this field. So just some questions and um, I, I want to start, if I could, with my colleague, Kathy McMorris-Rogers. Kathy, in addition to, to being a champion for Washington's all of the above energy strategy and being damn proud of our hydropower technologies, you will soon, I, I'm, I'm literally knocking on my desk here, knocking on wood, you will soon be the chair of the House Energy and Commerce Committee. 
And I know that diversifying our energy resources is a national priority. Also, it is in Washington. I think we can really serve as a model for the rest of the country. Could you talk about your work on, on the committee, what you, some things you're engaged in, some things you're planning, and your priorities currently as ranking member and how representing Eastern Washington has provided you with firsthand knowledge and expertise in this whole field. Thank you very much, Dan. And I am honored and excited to be serving currently as the ranking Republican on energy and commerce and looking forward to an opportunity to chair this very important committee. Energy is foundational to everything. And as you highlighted for us in Eastern Washington and the Pacific Northwest, we've really led on energy innovation. But energy is, is foundational to our way of life, our economy, our national security. It's, uh, it's important in the Pacific Northwest and across the country. It's important to American leadership. And for us in Eastern Washington, hydropower has really been foundational and one of our greatest assets. Uh, it's in, in both in the Northwest as well as across the country, it is our largest renewable energy source. For us in Washington state, it, it accounts for nearly 70% of our state's energy and it helps lead our efforts to um, increase sustainability and has helped America lead in that effort. In Washington state, it's our competitive advantage. I, I hear many times that companies choose to open operations in Washington because of our affordable, clean hydropower. And I, I'm excited that we have two great guests with us from Schweitzer Engineering Laboratories, SEL, and Energy Northwest that are going to share some more about how energy is attracting business to our state. Um, as the Republican leader on energy and commerce, I believe in the importance of all of America's vast energy resources and the importance of them being unleashed. I believe that we need to flip the switch on <laughs> And uh, that's the way that we're going to lower prices as well as make life affordable again across the board. That's where I've been leading the Republicans on, on the Energy and Commerce Committee are leading on a, a package of bills around securing a cleaner American energy agenda. It includes solutions for America, including Eastern Washington, to have affordable, reliable, and cleaner energy. And just a, a few that I would highlight, it would spur the development of energy infrastructure, including pipelines, without what I consider pie-in-the-sky mandates and regulations that we often see that unfortunately are, are shutting down American energy. Uh, it would unleash hydropower, nuclear, natural gas, and other energy sources, promote new innovative technologies like carbon capture, and ensure that we secure our critical mineral supply chains from China. That's, that's very top line but we are anxious to go to work to secure American energy, our future, uh, so important to us in so many ways. Oh, great. That's great, Kathy. And we're looking forward to your continued leadership on the Energy and Commerce Committee. You're doing a great job and more great things to come. Bob Schutz, uh, thank you for being with us. Uh, you were with Energy Northwest and you guys operate the only and proud of this, I tell this to a lot of people, the only nuclear power plant in the Pacific Northwest, the Columbia Generating Station. But you don't stop there. You've also, uh, you've embraced a diverse, all of the above portfolio, uh, which we are very proud of in the Pacific Northwest as well. Could you, could you talk a little bit about 
Energy Northwest and some of the things that the great things that you're doing? Well, sure. Thank you. Um, first of all, Energy Northwest is a nonprofit joint operating agency of the state of Washington. Uh, we represent our 27 members who are public utility or municipal utility districts in the state. And then the 92 participants in our generating projects across six states. Uh, as you mentioned, we are and proud of being 100% uh, carbon free. And we have a very diverse portfolio. Uh, we have hydropower that we either own or that we operate on behalf of others. Uh, we have a 100 kilowatt uh, wind farm here in the Tri-Cities area. Uh, we have solar generating. Uh, we have utility scale battery storage. And as you mentioned, our biggest asset, uh, the 1200 megawatt Columbia nuclear generating station a boiling water reactor that's uh, big enough by itself to power all of Seattle and its immediate suburbs. Uh, but really as a joint operating agency, we're chartered to do anything that our members need that can help them in their mission. So other uh, projects we've taken on recently is electric vehicle charging stations using grants from both the state and federal governments in collaboration with the utility service area that we're working in. Uh, we've been to, we've begun to build out a pretty extensive network of electric vehicle charging stations. We also do work on the conservation side. So at the utility level conservation, some tools such as demand response or demand voltage reduction. Uh, we've done pilots with Pacific Northwest National Lab and the city of Richland. Because uh, Columbia is a nuclear plant, we're regulated by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. We have a very robust cybersecurity program, and we've been able to leverage that uh, very extensive program for our, men our members' benefits in, uh, in their own, uh, you know, securing their own uh, electronic infrastructure. So really, at the end of the day, 100% carbon-free, which we're working very hard to expand, and uh, anything else that, that can help our members better serve their ratepayers. That's awesome, Bob. Thank you very much. And, and we really are proud of the work you guys do. And you know, we're, we're, we're literally uh, almost an all of the above kind of region because of your, your work. So, so thank you for that. And thanks for being with us today. You bet. So Dr. Schweitzer, or Ed, please. Uh, Schweitzer Engineering uh, Labs, or SEL, uh, is at the forefront of advancing grid technology. And we're very happy to have you with us today. And it's, I think it's important that every American understands we can have as many energy resources as we want, but if we don't have a strong, resilient grid, it's all for nothing. You understand these, these dynamics, Dr. Schweitzer. Could you share a few thoughts on how SEL is creating new technology to make our nation's power grid safer, more reliable, and more economical? I'd be delighted to, and thank you, Dan. Uh, a lot of this goes back to the early days of Edison and Insel, and even their work is based on the very fundamental fact that electric power moves energy at the speed of light. Nobody else gets to move their commodity that fast. So the energy that comes out of Bob's uh, nuclear plant and hydroelectric facilities goes into transmission lines owned by uh, uh, various utility districts and uh, the Bonneville Power Administration, where it moves at the speed of light, 186,000 miles a second, 
11 inches in a billionth of a second. And that's a miracle. It's a miracle. And uh, it's that miracle that is the basis of us today being able to uh, integrate the solar and wind power with its intermittent characteristics, integrate that in to make it more mittent, if you don't mind me inventing a word here, because as we pull more of these resources together, they tend to be a little bit more uh, uh, continuous. So these, these uh, networks are, are very, very important to us all. We need to build the transmission, which sometimes is a challenge due to uh, uh, regulation, something that Kathy mentioned earlier, in order to uh, uh, further uh, smoothly integrate these resources. And going back to Edison and Insel, they realized that the diversity of use of electric power is really the basis for the success of the electric power industry. And today, um, we're in an era where the diversity of generation, especially when it comes to these uh, intermittents, is uh, the, the basis for their success is the very grid that you're talking about, because that's, that's what makes it all economical. Some of the things that we're doing to help move more energy at the speed of light is uh, we have worked on uh, uh, protecting these wonderful transmission lines that, that span the, uh, the states and the regions, uh, protecting them faster. Uh, typical protection uh, used to operate in about 16 milliseconds. Today, we've got that down to one millisecond. That's like moving from a car to a jet. Now, why is that important? Well, when there is something that goes wrong on the electric power system, the system can start to lose some of its stability. And by the way, the uh, some of the, the experts who really understood stability were guys like Ed Kimbark at Bonneville Power Administration and uh, others there for uh, uh, were, uh, uh, true experts on this. And what we can do by reducing the time of fault is on the power system, it means that those same lines, which do involve a lot of capital, and, and most of us don't like to look at them anyway, to get a little bit more energy through them. This is a very, very important improvement. And there's less damage done, less risk of fires. And uh, 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 tripping breakers faster also means that breaker manufacturers are going to say, gee, we've kind of become the long pole in the tent. And I believe that uh, uh, they will through free enterprise, not from money from the Department of Energy or from some special grant, please, Kathy and Dan, but uh, through free enterprise, realize here's an important um, uh, gap to fill and speed the circuit breakers up from uh, one, uh, maybe 16 to 30 milliseconds down to one or two. So this is kind of a horse race and right now protection is out ahead of the breakers. Another thing we've been doing is uh, we've made huge differences in cybersecurity that uh, you put together an ethernet network and pretty it's a digital tower of Babel. Everybody gets to talk to everybody. They all talk at the same time. And uh, uh, there's really no order to it until you start programming in to every switch and router uh, some rules about that. So we started the other way around with software defined networks that nobody talks to anybody unless you put in the rules. And you talk about an effective way of keeping the bad guys out and seeing when they try to get in. 
Cool. We can detect if a bad message is coming into a network uh, and uh, report that in uh, uh, milliseconds or microseconds. So we're making a lot of difference in this so that uh, pretty much anybody will be able to use uh, more energy with a greater de degree of reliability at a lower cost, no matter whether it's generated by a solar panel or from a wind uh, turbine or from a, uh, the uh, fission in a reactor or a photon hitting a solar uh, panel somewhere. Great, great. Well, thank you, Ed and, and Bob both. Uh, this is a, a, an interesting, but a critical, uh, necessary uh, topic to discuss with, and for people to understand. And so thank you both for lending your ex expertise here. Uh, Kathy, I, I want to turn back to, to you. Uh, both and I, uh, you and I are, I think we can, uh, we can say that we appreciate and we understand that the, the hydroelectric dams in our region truly are critical to our, our way of life, including, and there's a lot of benefits, but certainly including the energy portfolio. It's because of the baseload sources like hydropower, like nuclear, that our state has been able to avoid the kinds of the brownouts that we're seeing in, in other states, such as California, not that far away. Yeah, and this is the, 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 the thing that I'm puzzled by, dam breaching, Advocates, include, including Governor Inslee and Senator Murray, are pushing to remove this energy resource. Um, at the same time, President Biden is declaring a national emergency for the for the U.S. electric grid. That just doesn't make sense. Uh, it's not logical. You know, you and I recently worked together to introduce a bill that would maintain operations of the Columbia and Snake River dams according to the latest scientific review of the system. Uh, can I ask you to, to talk about why this is so important, as well as some of your other efforts to, to boost hydropower development throughout the United States? Yes, uh, thank you, Dan. And I, I completely agree with your comments and that's why we teamed up together and have introduced the legislation. It's the Federal Columbia River Power System Certainty Act. Uh, which we introduced last month to protect our dams and to ensure that the Columbia River power system is protected. Uh, as you were, you were saying, the investments that were made in our Columbia Snake River system really transformed our region. It used to be dry, barren sagebrush, and now it's one of the most productive agriculture regions in the, in the country. Uh, important flood control, barging product up and down the river. It's uh, kind of the, the interstate highway, another interstate highway. And then, and then the clean, reliable, affordable and renewable energy that has been produced has really changed our region. And I was, I was much dismayed. I know as you were also just earlier this week to see that the Council of Environmental Quality within the White House is is uh, making recommendations to potentially tear out one of the dams. Uh, the, the administration has already said that our energy grid here in the United States may not be able to keep up with demand this summer. And what that means would just be devastating. And, and what they are projecting is like nothing we've ever seen before, uh, where we would see uh, rolling brownouts, potentially blackouts, 
that really devastate our way of life and, and can even threaten lives. And that's why it just makes no sense uh, to, to uh, have people that are continuing to make the case for tearing out the dams. The legislation that we introduced is important in making sure that this system is protected. And this, uh, the Columbia Snake River system, it has not only been foundational to our economy, our way of life and transforming the Pacific Northwest, it's helped lead the way in reducing carbon emissions, driving down energy costs. And we've been doing it while recovering endangered species, uh, the endangered salmon specifically. Uh, we're also leading on the Hydropower Clean Energy Future Act, which deals with the, the licensing of hydro facilities across the country. You know, we could double hydropower in the United States of America without building a single new dam. Um, it's uh, almost 50 gigawatts of potential new hydropower production, enough to power over 37 million homes, huge potential for clean, renewable, reliable, affordable electricity um, by simply investing and, and building out that infrastructure. So I, I think that we need to continue to focus on delivering real results. And uh, I, I believe that our legislation would do that. Great. And I, I can't tell you how important this work is. I really appreciate uh, being able to champion these causes with you. So thanks for your hard work there. Uh, I think we've got a lot of potential in this country for clean, renewable base load power that we have yet to realize. And through that work, I think we can do that. Yes. Yeah. Dan, if I might just add, uh, the average licensing of a hydropower project in the United wow. States of America takes 10 years today oh, wow. on average. And you compare that to a natural gas facility that is 18 months. I know that we can do better. And that's what this legislation is about. Good, good point, good point. Thank you, Kathy. Uh, Bob, we, we talked earlier about Energy Northwest nuclear power plant, and that's really important and critical to the entire region. But you're, you're also partnering to develop, and this is really exciting, one of the nation's first advanced reactors. And it's gonna be right here in central Washington. You know, this truly uh, is a great development and something that I can tell you, I've been championing in, in my work on the Energy and Water Appropriations Subcommittee. Could you talk a little bit about this exciting project and, and how this new, uh, new reactor uh, will contribute to our energy portfolio? Jim, you bet. You know, first of all, our, uh, our members have already signaled to us that they see the need for more reliable and resilient 24-7 baseload power in the future. Uh, one, due to increasing load, and two, you know, due to de facto reductions already in the federal Columbia River system. You know, it's not producing as much energy today as it did yesterday, irregardless of the lower Snake River dams. But so be, uh, to help meet that need, uh, we partnered with the U.S. Department of Energy's Advanced Reactor Development Program, which is going to bring a new design reactors to market. The purpose of the program is, you know, everybody gets nervous, you know, nuclear plants are expensive. Uh, there's some risk involved in bringing something new to market. And so uh, uh, the Department of Energy program is designed to buy down that risk by providing a 50% cost share for those two projects. Now, one of those two projects is based right here uh, in central Washington, likely, most likely to be in Grant County, although not uh, absolutely determined. 
And it's a, a small modular reactor and the particular design is called a high temperature gas reactor. So uh, it's very different than the current light water fleet in, in around the United States and most of the world today. A couple of unique attributes of it. Uh, one is in addition to getting electricity, it produces superheated steam. So that means there's process steam available. So instead of sending electricity to the grid, maybe we build a hydrogen generation facility here or you know the needs at the Hanford reservation. So it can provide that in addition to electricity. But for electricity itself, it's a couple of unique attributes. One, it can very rapidly change power. So uh, why is that important? You know, we think of nuclear plants as running at 100% power all the time, which is how we typically do. But in the spring, sometimes there's so much water, uh, we do load follow a little bit. So it's uh, convenient to be able to rapidly change power. Um, you know, uh, Congresswoman McMorris Rogers mentioned, you know, the lower Snake River dams and how important their baseload power is. But, you know, those dams also act as a big battery on the system. Uh, they don't typically run at full power um, and there's a lot of margin. So elsewhere in the system, when a generator is lost or say you have a solar field that is suddenly covered by clouds and you lose all that power, if there's not some other generator on the system available to immediately assume that load, then you're going to get a blackout somewhere. And I think BPA would tell you that the lower Snake River dams have provided that function for our region quite a bit. They're sitting there as a spin and reserve ready to go uh, when there's a need. But these small modular reactors, this new design reactor uh, would be able to provide that capability as well. So, so very exciting. It's not, they, they are bringing more capability than simply the 24 seven clean power, baseload power that we need that our members are asking for. It provides so much more for the region. It really is exciting, that, that flexibility that, uh, to be able to generate and respond to market conditions, to the, 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 the needs of the grid. So thank you very much for that. We, and as a community, as a region, we're real excited about this too. Yep, you bet. <clears throat> Dr. Schweitzer, I know last summer you published an article titled, Making Sure the Lights Stay On No Matter What. And in that article published in the RMEL's Electric Energy Magazine, you discussed a, a lot of different topics, including the steps we need to take uh, to, in order to address additional intermittent resources that are being added to the grid. So as a thought leader in the electric power industry, can you, can you help us understand some of these things? Can you talk about those efforts and how we can ensure robust uh, dependable baseload power sources are being strategically built upon with these other sources in order to strengthen the dependability of our, of our grid? Well, I'll give it a try. And uh, fortunately, Kathy and Bob gave me a head start on this with many of the things they said, that there's no question in my mind that the uh, magnificent uh, hydroelectric resources on the uh, Columbia and Snake Rivers are clean, safe, reliable, economical, batteries, if you will, that help keep the lights on, not only here in the Northwest, but also in California. And, and uh, to Kathy's point that, that uh, uh, we can double the amount of hydroelectric power produced in the United States without building a new dam, that goes a long way. And I actually believe we should build more dams. 
the cool thing about a dam, and look at look at the the water problems in California. You either have a, a drought or a flash flood. And uh, I don't know that there's been very many um, hydroelectric uh, projects even attempted in the last uh, 50 years. And uh, you, there's a tremendous uh, water shortage. Maybe it's time to go back and look at the Jack Nicholson movie, uh, Chinatown again about that. Uh, the uh, Kathy mentioned how long it takes to get anything licensed uh, or relicensed. That reminded me of the, the beautiful little generating station at uh, Snoqualmie uh, Falls here in Washington State. It was built from the permits they needed, the land acquisition, all the way through construction and when, uh, when they, it was producing electric power in 1911, taking 11 months, soup to nuts, 11 months. When that site was re-licensed, about uh, you know, maybe a decade or two ago, it took 11 years. So ladies and gentlemen, we're going backwards. And I think that's, uh, if, if I could implore of, uh, Dan and Kathy to look at anything is, how do we go back to the, the good, some of these good parts of the good old days? I'm not saying all is perfect. I'm not saying we should take regulations and tear them all up. And uh, however, we do have to go back to you know, move the needle from one extreme and in, into a much more moderate position, and that will help us. I love the discussion about the, the small uh, nuclear reactors, uh, Bob and Dan and Kathy, that uh, this is so exciting new technology, especially in applications where these can be located to take advantage of uh, uh, waste heat. This is really trying to uh, you know, pretty much eat all, eat all parts of the cow, if you will, that, uh, when that, um, when the fishing takes place, that uh, we can turn, a, uh, a lot of that energy into electricity and uh, some of it is still available to us as heat. And you know, who pioneered, uh, the, the use of, uh, uh, using waste, waste heat were the investor owned utilities they'd build their power plants in cities like Chicago and Milwaukee and elsewhere, and they would sell their steam to heat the buildings. So they had two products, the steam and the electricity. Uh, I'm right here next to Washington State University, and virtually every land-grant college had a power plant at it where the, or has, where the power plant would produce some electricity from coal, natural gas, why not nuclear? and where the waste heat isn't waste, but it's valuable that essentially the radiators all over the cam uh, uh, campus become the uh, condenser for the, condenser for the uh, turbine. Then how do you pay for this stuff? Well, I think the best way is kind of turning back the clock to the way we used to do things is uh, uh, through uh, private and public investment, you know, that and by public, you know, uh, selling of stocks. That's the whole idea of investor-owned utilities. There has to be a return on investment. As Sam Insel said, that capital always gets its pay. And we need all of the above kind of resources. So whether it's a nuclear reactor or a new hydroelectric facility or a, a, an improved one or a... Um, uh, using a hydro facility as a uh, 
um, a battery essentially. Let's, uh, the whole idea is to uh, re-invoke the spirit of economic freedom in the United States. So setting free the powers of innovation, the spirit of free enterprise as the chambers of commerce call it. So right now it seems like we have to stop de-insuring it. We're doing just the opposite. And I know uh, uh, the way Dan and Kathy thinks uh, uh, that uh, we can make some changes the other way. Uh, another part of this that's really important to getting the right answers is to think about how we can make things just like those reactors, you know, smaller and simpler instead of larger and more complicated. Uh, years ago, it used to be that the utilities like Washington Water Power or Commonwealth Edison uh, or you know, Wisconsin Power and Light or Northern Indiana Public Service Company, all the utilities used to have names that meant something, by the way, that they would all do their generation, their transmission and their distribution, their planning, their financing to take people in a, take care of people in a particular, uh, particular region. But as we have uh, decided to slice the loaf in a different way. Uh, we have a whole bunch of independent generator companies depending on these transmission lines thrown together and pretending to be a, a grid and independent distribution companies buying power out of that thing that where's the necktie? Who do I call when my lights go out or my bill goes up? Who do I call if the process is uh, dirty or even filthy. So getting this back to uh, uh, the, the regional franchise uh, picture is something that I think will help us pay for the wonderful innovations. One last thought on this is that uh, I, like all of us, are very, very concerned about, uh, about the uh, environment. And uh, I've laid awake at night sometimes wondering, would we be on a would we just might be on a better path towards a clean energy future if it uh, were driven by uh, free enterprise as opposed to by uh, politics and policy matters. People want clean. That's just as desirable as wanting uh, uh, food. Of course, food, fresh air, we want clean food, clean fresh air, clean environment. These are uh, really a basic human need. And as we sell to it and invest in it through the economic and political freedom that stems from our uh, forefathers' uh, genius, I, I actually think we'd be farther down the line to more solid, cleaner solutions. That's great. Thank you very much, Ed. So um, I just want to thank all of you for joining me today. Bob Schutz, as well as Ed Schweitzer. Uh, this has been a really, not only important, but a very interesting topic to highlight uh, uh, the great work that's happening in the Pacific Northwest. And I wanna, I wanna say that Kathy and I, Congresswoman Morris Rogers and I, uh, and our, the, the fellow members of our Western Caucus, of which uh, Kathy is a great member of, we will do all we can to continue to support your efforts uh, as much as possible right here in the nation's capital. And so as we, as we wrap up, I wanna ask uh, all of you, if you have 
any closing thoughts uh, that you'd like to share with our listeners before we say goodbye? I'll turn Kathy to you first. Uh, if you've got anything you'd like to close with. Well, thank you again, Dan, for bringing us all together. Just building a little bit upon what Dr. Schweitzer was saying right there. Uh, and, and he, one of his favorite sayings that I like, he says, the best way to predict the future is to invent it. And I think it's important to recognize that America, America has been leading, America has been inventing the future of clean energy. America has done more to reduce our carbon emissions than any other country in the world. And we've done it the American way with ingenuity and innovation. And we need to continue to be promoting that. And that's what we heard today whether it's advanced nuclear reactors that would be the next generation of nuclear technology that would help meet our energy needs here in the United States, but also uh, we could export to others around the world or whether it's clean hydropower that, uh, I love Dr. Schweitzer saying we should look at building more dams. Uh, you know, um, I mentioned doubling hydropower, only 3% of the dams in America actually produce hydropower. So there, there is huge um, potential there. And, and we need to be looking at all of these uh, cutting edge technologies that are going to help meet our energy needs, make sure that America continues to be energy dominant, which is so important on, uh, for every part of our lives and our future. And uh, it gives me such hope to be with um, Energy Northwest mm -hmm. and SEL today. And I know that they're on the cutting edge of all of this. Thank you. Great, thank you. Bob, any comments that you'd like to share before we close? Thank you, sir. Yeah, you know, just to ride on the coattails of the Congresswoman's remarks from a few minutes ago, when I talk to my counterparts in other parts of the country, Texas, California, even Florida, they are very, 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 very concerned with the stability of their grid and their ability to meet the electric needs of their ratepayers. We are in a much better place in the Pacific Northwest, but let's not be fooled into thinking that we'll be in their situation eventually if we just don't think we have a problem. So I think um, our, our delegation, you know, the, the two of you are doing a good job to poke us and make sure we're moving forward in the right direction, but uh, we can't let our foot off the gas. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Thanks for being with us. Ed, anything you'd like to share as we, as we close down? Well, thank you, Dan. I uh, really urge you and Kathy to let loose the spirit of uh, free enterprise uh, so that we can all as a country with the, the blessings that uh, we've been uh, born with uh, so that we can uh, rele release the spirit of free enterprise and invent the future. And uh, maybe we ought to partner, but in a very particular way is something like this. How about if I don't ever try to write a law and you guys, guys don't ever try to design the power system. How would that be for a partnership? <laughs> deal. Well, let's do that. It's a deal. Thank you. <laughs> well, great. That's perfect. So uh, I, I got to say, I hate to end this because this has been so fascinating, but that's all we, all the time we have for, for this episode. I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in to another episode of A Voice for Rural America sponsored by the Congressional Western Caucus. Thank you very much, and we'll talk soon.